0: Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Today we're going to be talking about Ephesians 2, and I'm so excited to, to share a, mes- a message with you this, this morning. This is probably the most important message that I'm going to share with you, but probably the most difficult message that I'm going to share with you. and so. I'm going to need your help this morning, okay? Don't feel shy to, to shout out and say, you know, amen or come on or that's good or uh, keep strong because um, I'm, I'm going to need your help a little bit this, this, this morning. So um, let's, uh, let's jump straight into it. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to be reading from verses 1 through to 10. Ephesians 2 verse 1 to 10. I want to encourage you to bring your Bibles to church. Bring your actual, your physical Bible uh, to church and be ready to take notes. Be ready to learn. Be ready to take in, to soak up, soak in um, whatever it is that God has for you. Uh, Let's go ahead and read this the scripture together. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, that this morning we get to to hear from you directly. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open our eyes, open our ears, Lord, that we would take a hold of that which you are doing in this moment, Lord, we think of uh, the world and and the the situation in Ukraine right now. Lord, we pray for peace, we speak peace lord in, in, in Hebrews chapter thirteen you, you, you say you say that may the, it says, may the God of peace, who brought back again." The, our Lord Jesus Christ, Lord. So as 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 the God of peace, we pray, Lord, that you would bring a resolution, Lord, that you would bring peace to that land, and we pray that lives would be saved, Lord God. Ultimately, Father, we know that you're in control. Nothing catches you by surprise. And so, Lord, we thank you for this moment that we get to enjoy your word, to enjoy what you have for us this morning. And everybody said, "Amen." Okay, so I, uh, I grew up in a very big family, not big in terms of, uh, you know, the mid-century sense where like, you know, with our grandparents or for the older guys in, the, in, in, in here, you know, your, your parents, um, where it was like you'd have 10 kids minimum, right? But now I grew up in a, in, in, in a big family in the more modern sense, uh, so there were, there were four of us, uh, four boys. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it, and I don't, I don't know why, but pictures from the 80s just look rough, eh? <laughs> so I, I'm not 100% sure why we were all so upset that day, but th- I think that was uh, Father's Day in 1988, and um, yeah, I think my mom pretty much forced us to have that, that, that picture. <laughs> um, I've got a more modern picture of our family. Uh, that's, that's us when we, when we had all kind of grown up, um, but yeah, so, so I grew, grew up in a, in a big family. Do you know the test for knowing whether you're in a, uh, in a big family or not? It's, it's the chocolate test, right? So this is what happens. This is what happens. Bar of chocolate is in the fridge. Nobody touches it. Then all of a sudden, you open the fridge and you see it's been opened. That thing gets smashed in two hours, right? But nobody eats the last piece. Nobody touches the last piece. And then you open the fridge later, and then you see, oh, it's the last piece. All so lonely, right? In this giant wrapper. So you decide to put this last piece out of its misery and to throw the wrapper into the bin, right? But because you live in a big family, somebody is going to see you throwing that wrapper into the bin. And then you get labeled as the person that finished the chocolate. If that, if that ever happened to you when you are growing up, then you know you, gr- you, you grew up in a big family. Um, so, yeah, I grew up in a, in a big family, and when it came to family planning, my parents just threw the rule book, like, out of the window, right? And what my parents did is they basically had two kids twice, right? So, so uh, there is uh, my two older brothers, right? Um, there's uh, Dave... That's the one that's next to me. And then Paul on the other side. And um, then there's this giant gap, massive gap. Then it's James, who's uh, in the UK. And, uh, and then it's me, All right? And growing up, Dave being the oldest uh, took responsibility for, for us, you know? So we really looked up to Dave. And Dave was the one who would just make sure that, like, everything is moving, right, because that's the thing with a big family, things have to keep moving, right, and so uh, I remember there's a time when uh, somebody locked the keys in the house, and we had one of those doors where if you close it, you can't open it from the outside, you know, um, and uh, some, that happened once, and, uh, and Dave had to make a plan to get us back into the house, and he did this whole thing with the wire hanger and everything, and I don't know how it worked, but we ended up back in the house somehow, um, and so Dave was the one that would always take responsibility for us. And so we, we, we really looked up to him. Um, but because of the huge gap between myself and Dave, um, when, I was, when I was starting, uh, you know, grade one, he had just finished high school. So Dave was kind of like a parent to me, Right. And uh, Dave would basically make sure that I've had breakfast in the morning. He would wake me up and, and make sure I had breakfast. Basically, my parents actually figured out that, you know what, uh, I'm gonna just, we're just going to outsource our parental admin to Dave, right? <laughs> so all the logistics and stuff uh, were handed over to Dave. And uh, Dave would, yeah, he would make sure that I'm, I'm, I'm fed, that I've got school lunch and, and all of that. And then he would do the school run and take me to school. Uh, and then he would he would pick me up from school. Now, now school runs have never been more exciting, right? We would like put all the windows down and we would blast the radio. You know, we would play like ACDC at full blast uh, you can imagine this 19-year-old and this 6-year-old having the time of their lives in uh, this red VW Beetle. Um, and so, you know, growing up was just... It was, it, was, it was awesome for me being able to have this person who was like half-parent, half-brother, you know. Uh, and then later on, as we grew up, we became very, very close close friends. But we would have the time of our lives. We'd get back home. I remember when... Um, uh, when Michael Jackson uh, Live in Bucharest came out, I don't know if any of you remember that. That was epic, uh, and so Dave he taped it for me. That was back in the days of VCRs uh, and video cassettes. And so he taped it for me. We got back home from school, and we're playing this thing, and we're, like, break dancing in front of the TV. Uh, and, and we had to get into character, right? You can't just dance just, like, normally. So we, we're getting tinsel and everything to try and get into costume. And, you know, you couldn't just have an ordinary hat. So I got, like, a, a, a builder's hard hat. You know and and, uh, and and we're having an amazing time, but that's the kind of fun we used to have and Dave was just this guy that I wanted to be like. He used to dress like man, he was so cool uh, i mean look look, look, look at that Don't you just want to be like that, you know um, I used to come back home from school and kind of see what he was wearing and try and find clothes that would kind of match like what Dave was wearing so Dave, Dave was my absolute hero and um and so. You know, one of the most inspiring things about Dave, more than anything else, was his faith, his faith. Dave is the, the definition of the eternal optimist. See, Dave was so fully convinced, so fully persuaded of the goodness of God, and the fact that God was so big in his eyes gave him this heavenly perspective that For him, so long as God was there, all things are possible. All things are possible. One of the most favorite things that he loved to say was, just imagine the possibilities. Just imagine the possibility. Dave used to, like he would dream, right? He would dream. And um, because of this, you know, Dave became so resilient. uh, So resilient. But the thing with being a resilient person is sometimes when you're not feeling so good in your body, you just kind of like, you know, look for a remedy or, or something to just kind of deal with the, the whatever issue you, you're facing. And so Dave had this issue with his gut, and, and we had a tried and tested remedy in our family uh, through my grandmother, where, if in doubt, castor oil, All right? <laughs> castor oil is the most disgusting thing you could ever eat or drink, and... Um, uh, so that was Dave's go-to whenever his gut would give him any issues and, and stuff. And so uh, towards the end of 2020, he was having issues with his gut as usual, but this time felt a little bit worse. And it had kind of been like a progressive kind of thing. And he knew he was in trouble when the castor oil didn't work. And um, so, yeah, January last year, 2021, uh, he had to get rushed off to, 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 to hospital And they did scans and so on, and they found a mass in his colon, um, had emergency surgery, and then they did a biopsy on uh, on that mass, and they found that it was a a cancerous tumor. And then they did more scans uh, and so on, and they found that it had actually spread to his liver. So so Dave was diagnosed with uh, stage 4 cancer, and uh, then he went uh, through a heavy regimen of uh, chemotherapy, Um, and, man, the way he responded to to treatment was just incredible. His tumor markers when he was diagnosed were about one thousand four hundred and, and something, and after a few months, he was already down to below one hundred. So I mean like for us, because we, we, we rallied as a family, we really came together to um, to just pray, and we would pray every Wednesday. And uh, it was incredible, really, just to see the move of God, and we could see the the, the work of God in his in his life, in his body, and so on with, with the healing. Uh, and it was just, you know, honestly, it was just incredible. And um, you know, with Dave, the fact that you know he in that time, especially when he was just having that treatment and stuff, and the fact that he was just getting better and so on, there was something about him in the way he would just live his life with such a simplicity. Uh, and there's something about being um, heavenly-minded, having an eternal perspective about life that makes you live your life here on earth with such a simplicity. The Bible says in Second Corinthians 1 and verse 12, it says, uh, uh, For in this we boast, uh, the testimony of our conscience is that we have behaved in this world with simplicity and godly sincerity. Not according to the wisdom of man or the wisdom of this world, but by the grace of god and that's how Dave was just you know basically living his life during that period, and it was so inspiring just seeing the the the, the change in 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 his in his health and how it just improved and so on really inspired us and um that was you know, from, from about February through to about July that he was having uh, his treatment uh, and so on. And his, his, his tumor markers, I think, had come down to about 60 or so, um, and the goal was 10. So you can imagine coming from over 1,000 down to about 60, we're pretty much close to the finish line here. And, you know, honestly, uh, the hand of God in that time when we just saw our prayers being answered was just so incredible. And then in about July, sort of middle of July, Dave phones me. And, you know, Dave being that eternal optimist, he phones me and he says, hey, bro, uh, so I've got COVID, but don't stress, it's mild, I'm okay. Now, <laughs> when you're busy having chemo and all of that, that's not the kind of information that you just kind of skip through, right? <laughs> so, so anyway, so Dave tests positive for coronavirus, and uh, his doctor wasn't too happy with his oxygen levels and so on and so she kind of says, you know what, I think you need to just, just be admitted to hospital where you can be observed and where, you know, we can uh, just keep an eye on you and, and you know, if ever you, 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 you crash in terms of your, your, your oxygen levels, you know, there's proper oxygen available and all that stuff for you. So he goes into the hospital and, yeah, first couple of days he's doing really well. He's walking around and, and all of that. And then all of a sudden... Uh, he, he, his condition just, just reversed. Uh, his, his, his oxygen levels were fine. And, you know, his tumor markers and so on, because he had had blood tests and so forth uh, just before, his tumor markers were fine, but his condition was just worsening, and the doctors just couldn't find out or figure out what on earth is going on. Um, so Dave's health just crashed and uh, on the 11th of August, Dave went home to be with his maker. Um, the hardest thing I ever had to do was to tell my parents. Sorry, guys. You're supposed to be helping me. <laughs> The other thing I ever had to do was to tell my parents that Dave was no longer with with us. And they were completely shattered. I mean, my parents were in tatters, really. Because, you know, for a parent, you want to bury your child, not the other way around, right? I mean, you want your children to bury you and not the other way around. Um, But um, even though we were in pieces, we were never as those that were without hope. We're never as those who are without hope because we know where Dave is. We know where he is. We know where Dave is because the, the Bible says that we take good courage when this, uh, this, this tent, our earthly home, this, this, this body, which is our earthly home, is destroyed. We know that we go to a building, which is our home in heaven with the Lord. Amen? Amen. So turn to your neighbor and say, but God, but God, but God, but God is not a question. It's not, but God, it's not a question. It's a declaration. It's a statement of faith. It's a position. It's a position because it's the hope of glory. We have a hope of glory because of God. Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 7 says, but God being rich in mercy, Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. This is the hope of glory that was secured for us. Some of you don't have this hope. Some of you don't know what this hope is that we look forward to, that one day we'll be home with our maker when we are called to heaven. Some of you don't know what that hope is. In fact, what you feel is the tight grip of the enemy. The devil has got his hand around your throat, gripping you so tight that you can feel the breath in your lungs squeezing out every day. For as long as you can remember All you know is that you live in a body, but you're truly dead. You have no hope. This morning, I've got good news for you. But God, but God. You might be addicted to drugs, cigarettes, alcohol, pornography. You're trapped in this body of sin, and no matter how hard you try, you can't get free. I have good news for you this morning. But God. The bitter gall of unforgiveness. Some of you just cannot let it go. You cannot let it go and you're trapped in your your unforgiveness. This morning, I want you to picture that person or those people that you need to let go of this morning. God wants you to be free from unforgiveness. It's not your portion to be trapped in unforgiveness. Bitterness is not for you. But God, even for those of you that are self-righteous and you like judging people that struggle with sin that you've overcome, Jesus paid the price for your self-righteousness. There was a penalty that had to be paid and Jesus paid it for you, but God. I don't know if you've got trouble in your marriage. I don't know if you have a wayward teen Issues with your mental health. Maybe you you cheated on your spouse. Maybe you just struggle with a lying tongue. I don't know what it is. I've got good news for you this morning. But God, there is hope for you. You see, the reality of mankind is that we were all dead in our trespasses. Without hope at all. No hope. Until God, who is rich in mercy and great in love, made a way. For those of us that believe, Jesus paid the price in full and the devil must back off. Romans 6 and verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, God is not mad at you. God is not mad at you for messing up. God just wants the best for you. But you can't have the best of God without receiving His grace. And so He offers you the free gift of eternal life. And that's the grace of God. So you might be saying, Well, I want this this free gift, I want this eternal life, but what, what must I do? What must I do to have this gift, to receive this gift, to receive this grace? What must I do? You don't have to do anything. There aren't 10 steps you have to follow. There aren't 10 hurdles you have to overcome. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to fix yourself first. You don't have to do anything. This isn't a matter of doing. This is so important, church. This is not a matter of doing. It's a matter of believing. It's a matter of believing, believing and being fully convinced, fully persuaded that Jesus did the work on your behalf on the cross and that he did it all because he loves you. That when he did that, he offered you the free gift of eternal life, believing that. You see, we we don't just believe in God, but we believe God. This is what it means to have faith. To take God at his word, to be fully convinced, fully persuaded, right here in your gut, to know that you know that God has paid the price in full for you. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9, it says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the free gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. You cannot save yourself. You cannot save yourself. Come on. So when you put your faith in Jesus, here's what happens. The dead man dies. Your old life, your old way of thinking, God interrupts it. He interrupts your old life of death. Death Talks about separation from God. You see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, all of mankind sinned. And because God is holy, God is pure, He's perfect, He cannot mix with imperfection. So there's a separation between us, mankind, and God. That is spiritual death. Spiritual death because we are separated from God. And it's not like you just die and you're separated and there's nothing that happens. No. It means that when you're spiritually dead, the place of torment that is reserved for the devil is also then reserved for you. It's not what God intends for you. But if you are a sinner and you are sinful, sin is punished. The wages of sin is death. But when you put your faith in Jesus, that dead man dies. The old way, the old way of thinking, the old life is put to death. It dies. And then God gives you a new life. He gives you a new life and a new position. A new position. What is that position? Colossians 3 and verse 3 says, For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. The devil cannot just do what he pleases with you when your life is in Christ. When your life is hidden in Christ, in God, no curse, no demon, no lie, no amount of messing up can separate you from the love of God. Romans 8, and, Romans 8 and verse 38-39 uh, says, For I am sure that neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, the problem with us, church, is that we get stuck. We get stuck when we mess up. We get stuck when we mess up, because when we mess up, here's what happens. We focus on ourselves and our imperfection, our inability, instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus and his perfection and his ability, right? Matthew 14, verse 22 to 33, very interesting story happens here. And I want to show you how, how, how we can overcome getting stuck. Jesus is walking on water. There are waves, and there's a storm, and, and all sorts happening on the sea, and the disciples are in the boat. Jesus is walking on the water towards the disciples in the boat. The disciples see him, but they think it's a ghost, and they start freaking out, Right? They start freaking out. And and Jesus says, fear not, it is I. And then Peter says, Lord, if if it is you, beckon me and I will come. So Jesus says, come. uh, Peter steps out of the boat and he starts walking towards Jesus. He's got his eyes on Jesus. Jesus. But then he said, the Bible says he sees the wind. So he he basically sees these big waves and, and, and so on. He sees the wind and so on. He gets afraid and then he starts to sink. He starts to drown. And then he says, Lord, save me, but God. He says, Lord, save me. And Jesus stretches out his arm. Stretches out his arm. When, 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 when you when you look at how that that, that 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 is translated, it's actually giving a little bit of a, a picture um, that, that that can almost distort the full understanding there. Because the, the, the concept of stretching out or, or reaching out his arm, when you translate when when you look at the original translation, it's not like Peter was just over here. It's like Jesus' arm was elongated to wherever he was, and it was stretched out. Doesn't matter how far you are this morning, church. If you will call out to the Lord and say, Jesus, save me, but God, Jesus will stretch out and he will save you. Two interesting things happened after that. Jesus obviously then says, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And then it then says that uh, they went back to the boat. And when they got back to the boat, the wind ceased. So the wind continued to blow. The waves continued to crash only up until they got to the boat. But something else very interesting happens. It says that they got back to the boat. Have you ever wondered how they got back to the boat? Do you think they swam back to the boat? Grown men, do you think that they swam back to the boat when they have been walking on water all along? No, I believe that they walked back to the boat. Just because you messed up does not mean that it is the end of the world. Keep walking. Keep walking. Let me tell you something. The wind of the attacks of the enemy will not stop. They won't stop. Until the day you get back to the boat, until the day that Jesus calls you home, the winds of attack of the enemy will not stop. But this is what I will guarantee you. The grace of God will sustain you Until you get back to the boat. Keep walking. Keep walking. Keep walking. Don't focus on how you messed up. Focus on Jesus. Keep your eyes fixed on him. Have faith and do not doubt. Yes, we repent of our sin. Yes, we, we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us and to renew our minds. Yes, we do all of that. And we do that knowing that we do not focus on our sin, but we focus on the righteousness of Christ that we have. Philippians 3 Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. One thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal of, for the prize of the upward call in Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to keep walking? Ephesians 2 and verse 10, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should, that we should, to keep walking means to remain steadfast in pursuing that which God pursued us. This is why we never give up. You see, God created good works for us to walk in before you breathed your first breath. That means that God had a plan and a purpose for your life before you breathed your first breath. That God consecrated and anointed you for a good work, for, 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 for a specific duty in this planet, in this age, in this world, for you to walk in. This is why we cannot give up. Because those good works are not just for us. They're for the blessing of others. So when we say keep walking, what we mean is, Keep attending church faithfully. Join a community group and bless others there. Give generously. Serve others. Keep walking. Pursue that which Christ pursued you. So in summary, I want to leave you with three things. Number one, believe. Believe. Put your faith in Jesus, fully trust him, be fully persuaded, be fully convinced of the riches of God's mercy and great love towards you. Receive. Jesus offers the free gift of eternal life. Receive that eternal gift, that gift of eternal life. Receive it. Receive it. And then number three, achieve. Achieve. There are good works that God has prepared for you. God has prepared good works for you. That you would walk in them. That you would walk in those good works. And only then do you achieve that which God has called you to achieve. So it starts out by believing, then receiving, and then you achieve. Very, very important note. I want you to hear this. We don't achieve in order to receive. We achieve because we have already received. Does that make sense? Come on. Come on. God is good. God is good and, and, and he, is, he is at work in your life. Even though you can't see what's happening, even though you're struggling and there are challenges and there are things for you to overcome, God is good and he's got good works for you To walk in. Come on, let's stand to our feet this morning.